it's surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the focal focal point of my change. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. I'm excited for our show today with Tommy Mitchell and India Cook. But before we get into it, I want to talk about our chief sponsor, a product and brand that's been sponsoring this show now for six straight months. They're great. They're this I love this brand so much. I use them every day, and it's Prevenex. And while you've heard me talk about their supplements time and time again, let me tell you what other people are saying, because a lot of you who have used this brand have gone on their site and left really positive reviews. These are verified buyer reviews. So let's dive into it, right? So here we see here, Gary R. I'm just literally going on their website. These are awesome. Gary R., age 33, using the Joint Health Plus. This product has been a huge help. I started noticing the difference in my joint health within the first five days. I highly recommend this product as it helps me keep up and stay prepared for the tough rigors of my running. And I'm a highly competitive runner, a teacher, a coach, and a soldier, and I'm always on the move. So listen to Gary. If you don't believe me, listen to Gary. He loves it. So do I. Joint Health Plus is the real deal. Go to Prevenex.com, that's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com, and use code RUNNER15 to save today. So, India Cook, Tommy Mitchell, these are two of the folks behind the Run Duo podcast, one of my favorite podcasts. These guys are so great. Not only are they talking about running, and they have some just a really good group of guests, from high-level runners to just everyday runners, kind of like what you see on this podcast but they lead into every show where the two of them talk. They had this wonderful and energetic rapport, and I couldn't wait to get both of them on here. So I hope you like this episode with India and Tommy. And if you do, go go subscribe to their show, man. The Run Duo podcast actually was recently featured on Runner's World. It was a long time coming because they do such good work. So let's get into it. Hello, Tommy in India, and welcome to the show. What's up, Matt? <laughs> How you doing, Matt? I'm so I'm so glad to have you on. You guys have such a great show, the Run Duo Podcast. I'm a big fan. I go I go all the way back to when Tommy and I started around the same time mm-hmm. when he had the when he had the infamous Shut Up Tommy podcast, which. I remember, I remember, Tom, I think we, you and I followed each other right when we both started. And I think we were like the newbies on the block. And I remember being like, I don't, is this a running podcast? What, what show is this? <laughs> yeah. When I start, honestly, you and um, Derek Oxley are the reasons I even started one. Cause I was like, okay, I, I'm not going to blog cause I hate writing. Um, I'm not going to do video cause I don't want people to see me. I was like, I could do a podcast. I can talk to people. I love talking to people. So that that's kind of why I started it. And just because, honestly, I just wanted to talk to other runners about running. That's really all I really wanted to do. I didn't really care much else about it, but I thought it would be a good way to be able to talk to, to runners that I see on Instagram and things like that. Yeah, that was exactly why I started it. And I can see why when you heard me, you were like, you know what? If this idiot can do it, I, I definitely <laughs> got to start a podcast. <laughs> Not at all. I was like, wow, this is really good. Gosh, you know, so I was, I was like, let me let me give it a shot. Well, it's funny because I it's it we're I think we're all in the same boat here. Like we all wanted 
to not only communicate on our own right, but have these interesting conversations. India, what was your start in some of the the running related media stuff? I felt like I know you had the, the blog with the with the marathoning and doing that sort of thing. Was that was that your start or did something precede that? Yeah, so I actually had been running, but the media piece of it was in 2017. I decided to vlog my first journey to my first full marathon. So every week I was doing a vlog and I only posted it on Facebook. And I literally did that for 2017. And then I also ran the same exact marathon in 2018. And I vlogged that process as well. So that's where it it started. And I really wasn't into the podcast world. And then, of course, Tommy hit me up, was like, hey, how about you? Uh, how about we join forces and do a podcast? And it was so funny because for me, I don't know about anybody else that may be listening, but vlogging takes a lot of editing. It's it's a lot of work. So for me, it was it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I don't know if I can continue doing the vlogging at that time with my schedule. It just wasn't working. And so when he um, came to me and said, let's collaborate, I was like, you know what? I like talking. It'll be kind of cool to do it with somebody that obviously me and Tommy knew each other from the Atlanta running community. And we just decided to put our heads together. And now we kind of wing it with ease. <laughs> Getting into it through a vlog is like that's just straight up jump like diving into the deep end because you have the video component, you have the audio component, you kind of have the, a complete different like storytelling mechanism, and then the editing as well. Like, so when you were deciding how you wanted to broadcast your journey, and I'd love to hear why in a second, but just wh- why was the, you know, in terms of like why you wanted to broadcast it to people and where you, what you what value you were hoping to provide. But why the vlogging right from the start? Like, I feel like that's a very like, I'm going all in, baby, kind of move. Yeah, well, you know, actually, it's, well, I I should say this piece. Derek Oxley, actually, I did a a series with him, um, and it was five runners, and we were all going to Chicago Marathon that year in 2017. And he wanted us to send in random clips day by day. He would send us a topic that he wanted us to talk about for the day during our training. And so we would do really like a small 30 seconds, minute, two minute clip, and we would send it into him. And he collaborated like a week's worth of all five of the runners topics and kind of put it into one video. So it did kind of start there. And then I was like, you know what, I think I can do this myself. Um, And then of course, it just kind of went to I like the camera. (laughs) I don't mind the camera. Uh, People say the camera likes me. So I just kind of roll with it. And it's just easier for me. Like I just being on camera, turning around, talking to it, because I feel like I'm talking to somebody, even though I'm kind of talking to myself. But it just kind of works. So it just kind of was starting with that. And then I realized for me, I realized that there were people reaching out to me like, you're really about to do your first full marathon. How are you preparing? What are you doing? And there was a lot of people reaching out saying that they want to try it, don't know how it is. And I said, well, you know what? I should document this. And for my memories as well, I want to document this process because doing your first full marathon is a huge deal. And I mean, it's 26.2 miles. And I said, you know what? I'm going to document it how I feel your ups and your downs. I feel like I get so much more reception from and communication from people online when I'm very transparent about how I'm feeling. And so literally, you know, when you're marathon training, it's some days you're good and some days you're like, forget this. I'm not doing this anymore. Who wants to do this? And so I actually enjoyed being able to document those ups and downs, ebbs and flows. And then, of course, having the outcome of finishing marathons. 
And when you're documenting something where you have those ups and downs, especially when, you know, it's different when if you're, you know, kind of a novice marathoner as opposed to an experienced one, I say this as a novice marathoner, there's a there's an element to that that can also be you know, potentially a little jarring where you have the whole idea of like, like the imposter syndrome of like, all right, like, you know, all of a sudden I was I was. You know, I'm, I'm now I'm speaking as if I was doing it, but like you, you go out, you start doing this, and you might even start with free with for your own um, motivations, just like Tommy and I did with our podcasts, you know, stuff. But all of a sudden, you become somebody who other people are listening to, not necessarily for advice, but you're, you know, all of a sudden people are listening to what you're saying and analyzing it and taking what they will from it. When you got to that point, how did it feel for you as someone who was, you know, putting all of yourself out there? And potentially putting yourself in maybe vulnerable isn't is too strong of a word, but in that kind of situation, I think you can use vulnerable. Um, I think it's definitely worth using that word. Um, I think that it, it it had its ups and downs. I didn't get negative comments. I think I, I think it was more so very good accountability for me um, because I know I think that you know when you'd marathon train, it's one of those things where you have your well. For me, I had my schedule, I had my calendar. I was working out five to six days a week doing something. And so it was accountability. But the vulnerability piece is what I really enjoyed and fed into. And there was definitely days within that vlog, like I was on the vlog and I was like, I don't want to do this, guys. Like, I don't want to do this. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. I've had a long day at work. At that time, I was working in the mental health field and I had very stressful days at work. But then running kind of was my outlet. So when it came to those times where I was being very vulnerable I felt like it was more so me being able to reach people that would like to do the journey and just being real. Like I'm one of those people, I don't gravitate towards people that kind of make it seem like everything is easy and only talk about the easy things. I gravitate towards people that are going to say, you know, today's a crappy day and I'm over it, but I will overcome. Um, And so I'm like, I can't expect for people that I watch and view to do that if I don't do the same thing. Um, But it was definitely a huge level of vulnerability, but I enjoyed it. And I mean, you take the good with the bad. And I think it's, it's the realness of marathon training. There's nothing pretty about it. Whether you're a novice or you're an elite, like marathon training is not easy. And so I just felt like I had to do it justice and let people know what it was. I love how you describe that because you and Tommy bring that same energy to your show where you definitely provide real insight and you don't really hold anything back. But yet at the same time, you're also very positive and energetic. And oftentimes when people fall into the trap of like, hey, I'm just being real, it's almost an excuse to be negative and or condescending. So, Tommy, when you're when you're approaching the show or just even just general real life, you know, what are some of the ways that you try to make sure that you're you know, your optimistic self while not necessarily like hiding from reality in a sense? I think I've always been pretty optimistic. You know, I think I'm a a glass half full person. Oh, I've always been like that. But also, I mean, my background is in sales. When you're a salesman, (laughs) you have to be like that. You've got to be upbeat to a point um, to convince people to purchase whatever product you're selling. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And I'm from a family of a of a lot of talkers and storytellers. So I think that has something to do with it as well. Um, trust me, there's definitely uh, bad days. But, you know, usually I try to find the the best part of it, whatever it is. I'm very appreciative of everything that I have 
um, in my life. And I, I just hope other people are appreciative of what they have. I'm not that person that's constantly going, oh, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I wish I had this. I'm the person like I'm so happy for what I have now. And I think that comes across um, throughout my life, even in my job. I think it comes across when I'm talking to customers. In India, for you, is it is it the same sort of thing or is this kind of a learned behavior? Um, I think it's a mix of both. Um, I worked in mental health, previously worked in mental health for 10 years. And so I'm kind of like an affirmation type person. <laughs> like we all know that we can find a silver lining in things. And I think I'm a pretty upbeat person, but I do have my days. Um, but I just feel like if I'm going to be motivating and doing things for people I can't sound I can't sound somber. So even on the days, there are days when Tommy and I record, or when I was broadcasting, broadcasting, podcasting, there or you go. my blog, broadcasting. Now we're going to combine all word. the things. Broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I had to pump myself up. Like, all right, I'm tired. It's been a long day. Let's get this done. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily a front put on, but it's like if you are enjoying life and enjoying what you're doing it's going to naturally and genuinely come across that way. And I think that that's how Tommy and I are. Like, we genuinely enjoy our podcast and we like to grow it and grow it, you know, organically. And it's just one of those things where I, I hear a lot of people tell us they like us because we're just real and we're cool and our vibe just is what it is. And it's just literally me and him just talking. <laughs> so it literally... I think people probably think we put a lot more effort behind the scenes in, but I think we just, it just kind of works for us. It sure does because you're right. Like, frankly, that is what it is. It's, you guys are just <laughs> talking, you know, you know, you have, you know, a section of the podcast, maybe not with today's podcast, you had your Black Lives Matter podcast came out today and it was just you two. You have plenty of shows where there's a guest, but there's also a large portion of the podcast where it's just you two talking about a variety of different topics. Um, and, you know, it does just sound like two people talking. And, you know, with that said, oftentimes it's not necessarily about, you know, the, the topic selection. It's almost like the co-host selection is, is so much more important because just the vibe that you're giving off and you're able to feed off of each other. And, you know, that interaction, it's, it's you know, it's one of those things where it's more art than science, like getting that right person to fit with you. Which, you know, I have to ask, like, what was, you know, when did you guys start to know each other? And as your, you know, friendship started to bud and, you know, can kind of went down that path. When did you realize after the fact, like, hey, let's let's really start working together. I mean, that's probably too many questions at once. You know, you think yeah. after 300 podcasts, I'd be able to be more efficient. <laughs> um, so when I was doing Shut Up, Tommy, which I, I really enjoyed, but I, I just bit off more than I could chew doing a podcast by myself. Um, trying to do it weekly, uh, and I'm trying to keep up with you, Matt. Because I mean, you would put out a, like an episode like every other day. I was like, when does this guy sleep? And, and then you know, go run ten miles. So I, I was I was trying to do it, and it just started to wear on me. Um, and I was marathon training at the time, so you know that on top of it. So I started thinking, um. What what can I do? First, I thought about, well, maybe I should turn my podcast into an every other week one. But then I was like, you know, I'm I'm tired of just talking to myself. I enjoy listening to myself, but I figured maybe they would want to hear another point of view and maybe not so much of a male point of view, you know, a, a female uh, point of view on things. Um, and that's why. And I picked India because she was vlogging and I knew she liked to talk. 
And I know <laughs> India likes to, um, she likes to research things. She's an intelligent person. She's very articulate. I said, that would be a great yin to my yang. Cause I'm, you know, down home Southern. I got a little twang in my voice. And <laughs> I, you know, I shoot from the hip a lot of times. I don't plan what I'm going to say a lot of times. So I felt like India would be a good person. And I'd interviewed India before. And I knew her, of course, from outside of interviewing her. I knew her from running. Um, she, uh, I want to say, India, didn't you like start a, a running, not a running group, but you had started a run of some kind with a running group, right? Yeah. Well, I was a captain of a run club for yeah, a couple of yeah, for was. a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I heard, you know, when I, she was a captain of a run club, I was like, she really loves running. I think she would be good for the long haul. <laughs> Like, I didn't want to pick somebody that, you know, would enjoy it for, you know, a few months and then be like, eh, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't enjoy running enough or I don't enjoy doing the podcast enough to keep doing it. And I felt like she would be in it for a, a good little bit of time. So that those are the reasons I chose her. Now, you might want to ask her why she decided to say yes. <laughs> That's it. <a> <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's basically the, the crux of all questions. When a guy says like, hey, do you want to do X, Y, Z? And a woman says yes. It's, it's never like, hey, dude, why did you ask her? It's more like, hey, girl, why would you ever say yes to that situation? Yeah, well, I think for me, and I don't even think I hesitated. Did I, Tommy? I think as soon as you asked, I was like, yeah, what's up? What are we going to do? Like, I just was like, yeah, that's fine. But I think, again, I was in between. I had stopped blogging for a little while. It was... Um, I had stopped vlogging for a little while and I was kind of in an in-between phase and I have this inner feeling and I tell people this all the time that I need to be giving back to the running community. I feel like I have so much to give and I feel like there's so many people that want to hear information. They want to be motivated. They want to get into running. They want to get to a place where they can run down the street or even three miles or a half marathon or a full and no, I'm not what some people may call fast, but I have the motivation to do it. And God dog it, I do what I need to do to get it done. And I just feel like I always have that feeling within me that I want to and need to motivate people and let people know kind of what the realness of of running is and make it make it less intimidating. Um, and I feel like I have the ability to do that. So when I was in between the vlogging and he asked me, I was like, you know what? This is my end to continue to talk about a passion that I love. Um, and of course, we talk about um, all kinds of things. We talk about races, personal stuff, all of that. So it was just kind of it's an outlet for me. And, you know, when we get people that communicate with us and they say that we're teaching them things or we're motivating them, that's just my continued juice to keep doing this. So it literally was that. So when he asked, he kind of just asked at the right time, I guess, just like a proposal is like <laughs> you ask at the right time, <laughs> you can get a yes. Um, but yeah, so he asked at the right time and we've been going strong since 2018 every other week. So yeah, exactly. So what was the original mission behind the show and i know tommy especially because you already had you already had your show before which obviously was a great kind of learning process for you and figuring out not only what you like what you don't like but what kind of purpose you wanted to have it when run duo started what was the the original vision for the show and how did it evolve over over two years now um well for me like you said i had uh shut up tommy i'd done a podcast so i kind of knew what i liked I always think, okay, of course you want to give information. You want to, you know, somebody to learn something when they listen to your show, whether that learn something about the person you're interviewing or some a topic that you're talking about. 
But for people to learn, they got to be entertained. So that's kind of my combination. I like it to be entertaining, but, you know, give a little information. Well, not a little bit. Give information as well. But I, I want the people to be entertained so they keep tuning in. They're not going, well, I learned that, but, dude, it took that whole hour to get it out. And I'm, I can't listen to that again. I want them to you'd be like, well, that was really fun. Let me tune in, you know, for the next episode. And I don't think that we felt I don't know if we thought that we had the chemistry, the the entertainment chemistry until we started doing it. Like, I don't I think I think I knew Tommy was a, like a funny guy, but I think we just kind of vibe off of each other and stuff ends up being funny. And we just it just works. <laughs> It does work, especially in the running community. We don't have a lot of podcasts that have two hosts. And even the ones that we do, oftentimes it's still just an interview show. So you just have two hosts interviewing somebody, which, man, that is hard. I mean, I know for you two, there have been times where you're, you're, you're in the same room and then you have the guests either in person or, you know, more often than not, you have them on the line. And when you're in person with with your co-host, you can kind of have those nonverbal cues of like, all right, your turn, my turn. You know, you can kind of interact, you know, or, you know, whereas, you know, doing that where all three of you are on a phone call is tough. I've done it. It's like, I don't know how you guys do it, but like, especially now COVID, I know what I've done before. It's like, I'll literally be texting my co-host during the whole show on silent. Like, all right, your turn to ask a question. Like, hey, you should ask him this or you should ask her that. Like, how do you guys manage in, you know, in COVID world, like how you do these three-way interviews? Yeah. So if you, it's so funny and we laugh about this every episode. So if people previously listened to us pre-COVID, we do this thing where we say the run duo at the beginning. And if you listen to recent episodes, our run duo, like saying it together has been so off. <laughs> and it's difficult because we're not in, in we're not face to face with each other. Um, and so it's interesting in regards to the interviews Tommy and I kind of switch off on the interview piece. Um, we will message in in our um, text message on the side to say, okay, I don't have any more questions. You got the next one. And I think we we kind of do a silence, awkward silence, if we know that the next person's going to ask a question. Um, but we do text on the side. And a lot of times, too, depending upon who reached out to the person that we're interviewing. Cause sometimes I'm like, Oh, I want to talk to so-and-so. And sometimes he says he has someone he wants to talk to. And usually whoever kind of picks the person to interview, they usually have do majority of the interviewing, even though both of us have our piece on asking questions. So that's kind of how we go. <laughs> it's, de it's definitely <laughs> harder. Like you said, since zoom, um, no, we're not because I definitely like it more that we're in the same room, but it's definitely harder, in my opinion, to to kind of have that coordination. Like you said, I can just look at her or she can just look at me and go uh, 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 and, you know, but mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> we make it work. I think. And, and also, I think right now people are a little bit more understanding because they understand, you know, hey, they're not in the same room anymore. So it's going to be a little different. But I, I think it, it still is kind of fluid. There is definitely more editing because of it. So, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh yeah, it, 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 you don't. You guys don't want to hear. When I was talking to the, the listeners, you do not want to hear the director's cut of a three-way phone interview. 
It just is not good. <laughs> it's like there's <laughs> random heavy breathing. You don't know where it's coming from. You have people talking all over each other. Random laughs. Like hey, that was completely mistimed. Where did that come from? Um, so you know, we I think we've all been there. One thing that you mentioned, you guys have the the biweekly. I'm sorry, the, you know, once every two weeks podcasts. Which you know, first of all, when when can we knock that off and just go once a week? You, know, you guys are too good to go every other week. But, um, you know, you, you mentioned, all right, you, we want the entertainment piece and you want the information piece. So obviously when you go once every other week, you know, it's kind of hard to touch on a ton of topics in a short amount of time just because there's not a lot of episodes. So what are some of the topics that you feel like you have really kind of gravitated towards and maybe some that you like had, you know, inclinations on touching on, but maybe just haven't gotten around to? I guess, India, I'll start with you. Okay. So I think for me, and I, I will just kind of explain how I do it. So again, I'm a little bit more on social media. So I literally, and I have places that I pull articles and things of that nature. So in our, within our podcast, we usually are talking about current events, kind of like, just like you, Matt, like we're talking about a race that just happened or New York that's coming up or something like that. So we're talking about those things. Um, and we may be interviewing somebody that may have ran the race, et cetera. But since this whole COVID-19 thing's been going on, it has been a little bit more difficult to find topics. Um, but I think that there there still is running stuff going on, but it may not be as in-depth as when racing was going on. Um, so I literally, after one episode is done or even the, sa- the same day we after we record an episode, I'm literally looking for more information for that that next coming episode. So when it comes to content, it's literally me looking to see what could be interesting and what could still be talked about or relative. Um, it's just like this past episode, there was a lot of things that we could have talked about. We could have talked about Boston being canceled and all that, but we, we just kind of go with the flow of what's relevant at the time. So I think for, for us, I know for me in particular, it literally is a lot of content pulling and figuring out what would be interesting and what can I speak to? Because we, I see a lot of stuff that can be talked about, but then we also try. I try not to talk about too much stuff that's already in runners' world and already here and already there, <laughs> because people are like, "Oh, I heard about that already." Not everybody, but a lot of people are. Um, same same thing here. Pretty much during between the podcasts, I just kind of look through, see what you know what the topics are. Um, I like commenting on stuff, even if it's out there, giving my own opinion about it, because that's basically what most shows do they they take whatever's going on in society um whatever their niche is for that particular show and they kind of talk about it and that's kind of what i like to do and give my opinion and and my take on it uh i may differ from you know what the article is that i read it from um but of course i like to look for topics that are good information as as far as like a new app a running app that's out and i might want to try it out um and just kind of tell people my experiences with it that sort of thing so those are the kind of things I usually look for. And Tommy and I literally come together a couple minutes before our rec- our recordings and say, what are we talking about today? <laughs> I like that. I like that because that, that way, that way you don't leave like the good stuff on like the cutting room floor. Like if you right. talk too much before the show, <laughs> exactly. like you, you, the good stuff could have been unrecorded. I think we've all done that before. Yeah. And a lot of times we'll we'll start talking about it and we're like, uh-uh, we're going to save it. We're going to save it. We're going to save it. Because it's nothing worse than saying something really good that should have been recorded and it's not recorded. <laughs> That's so true. Now, when we're speaking about current events, 
You guys were in the hub of the running world and the current events over the past, I say over the past four months, because the last three months, nothing's been happening. But you guys live in the Atlanta area. You, you know, a lot of what you talk about can be focused in that area. Uh, and it's, it really is, you talk about, you know, the Olympic trials that happened. It was so entertaining to watch. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get down there just because of uh, illnesses in the family. So I had to stick around. Um, and hey, th- that's the break sometimes, but like, even just like from afar watching on TV, it was unbelievable considering your affinity for the sport and where, you know, in just your location, your connection to the Atlanta area, Atlanta track club, all that stuff. I guess, Tommy, I'll start with you. What was it like gearing up for the Olympic trials in terms of, you know, focusing the show on that and just just the the feeling in and around Atlanta as as that was coming closer. Luckily, here in Atlanta, we have some great people in the running community, and I'm not just talking about, of course, Atlanta Track Club that actually you know sponsored it or put it on, but uh, you know I'm talking about like uh, Tess. Um, she's a, a local race director here, and she actually had a beat and greet for some of the African American runners that were going to be in the. Um, the Olympic marathon trials. So it was, it was a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff you could see. I love that Atlanta track club set it up. They set up what I call, I guess, marathon weekend um, in America, basically uh, where they had the, the public's marathon the same weekend as the trials. So you could still, you went, I went to the expo and hung out so you could feel it. Honestly, it was definitely, I wasn't positive how many people going to show up. Until I got out there that day, I really wasn't positive how Atlanta was going to treat it. I was hoping we'd come out and, you know, show our support. You know, this is not something you get all the time. And when I say Atlanta showed up, it was crowds, people yelling. It was, it was like a Super Bowl was going on. We were sitting at a, um, at a, at a, like at a bar. Well, the, the kind of the patio of the bar, myself, India, and my girlfriend, Heather, we were all in my, my son, we were all at this, uh, little area. And it was packed. And every time the groups were starting to come by, everybody would get up and go cheer. So it, it was great. It was a great atmosphere. Um, I, I wish we could. I wish because I was here for the Olympics. I moved in to Atlanta the same year that they had the Olympics. And it had that same feeling, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I think for me, it was. I knew Atlanta would show up, but I don't, I think I might have underestimated the way that they showed <laughs> Like, they showed up. Like, Atlanta, I knew people were flying in. I told Tommy, I was like, we have got to get down to, we went to the the, the bar and grill that we were at. Like, we was, I was like, we have to get down there. Early seats are going to be filled up. And as soon, you, people were waiting outside. Like, it was, it was not a game. <laughs> a lot of the run stores pulled stuff together. Atlanta Track Club, obviously have to give a shout out to them, being that I'm, I'm an ambassador for them. But they they definitely did their thing. And like Tommy, it was the energy for the week was amazing. The energy for the leading up time. It was just it was just awesome. And just to be able to have something like that. I mean, I, if I if Atlanta can host the trials every time it happened, I would I would definitely be here for it. So it was definitely fun. A lot of energy. And I just think it was just like well done. And I just think it's awesome how it was well executed. And then COVID happened. It was like I am so glad we got <laughs> to put on an awesome weekend and enjoy an amazing weekend before everything kind of changed. I think India, we said the same thing together. I mean, I think we said it when we met the next time, like we barely got that in. Like we, we barely were so mm-hmm. lucky to get that in before everything shut down. Right. 
Oh, goodness. I mean, I feel the exact same way. I, you know, I think back to when I was at the Houston Marathon six weeks before, and I feel the same way about Houston after the fact, mm-hmm. right? People were flying mm-hmm. in from all over, no different than Atlanta. And, you know, I'm in a situation where, you know, I would have been flying in. I actually, like, actually, you know, booked my flight and everything. And, you know, so many people were, were, were flying in. It really was just an unbelievable experience. It was funny watching so many just, just, you know, you know, more dedicated amateur runners who really didn't have any ties to any of the athletes who were flying into Atlanta. I couldn't believe how many people messaged me like, hey, are you doing a, you know, a live show? Or are you doing this X, Y, Z? I'm like, you, know, you live in Utah. Like, you're going to the trials? Like, this is, this is insane. <laughs> yes. I, could not, I could not believe how many people were reaching out. And it's funny. So I'm watching, I was basically doing live streams during each commercial break during the uh, the marathon trials, which was a lot of fun. But it was so funny because like on TV, you can never quite see, you know, the ups and downs of anything on TV. Like whether you're watching, you know, a race like this or or any sport, right? You're even you're watching golf. Like you can't tell how how like up and down the course is. Like that's always like one of the famous things. So like it was so funny. Like you're watching this race and Hey, there was no mistaking how hellacious this <laughs> mm-hmm. course was. And we heard about this for months. I mean, I must have talked to every single athlete who's going down there about the course. Like, have you been down there? Have you seen it? Everyone says it's so hard, so on and so forth. And yet, after the race, every single one of them was like, wow, that was harder than I expected. Half of them had been on the course, and they still said it was harder than they expected. India, when you saw the course layout, especially the second time, because I think they kind of redid it after the first go-round. When you saw the course layout, what was your first impressions about how hard this course was going to be? I'm born and raised in Atlanta, Matt, so I know these roads. So when they, when they, and majority of our races are what they raced on. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things where majority of, and well, I'll speak for myself, when I saw the course, I said, oh, they're going to have to work for this, this spot. Like they're going to have to work for the top three spots. Like it, it literally, I, I was like, oh, they're going to have to put this work in, but they're made for it. Like in my mind, I'm like, they're elite. They're amazing. They're made for it. They can do it. But I don't think that they should underestimate it. And I literally said that I was like, they're going to have to work for this. It's not, it was no go, no, no game. Even when they changed the course, I was like, oh, they took that little blip out, but they, <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> so I knew, I, I knew it was, I knew it was bad, but then I, I know, us in Atlanta, we try not to like talk people out of running in Atlanta because we know people that are like, I refuse to run in Atlanta. But like for us, it's just what we know. Like you really can't go anywhere without there being some heel. And our heels are long. And that's what's what's different is like you see them and you're like, oh, oh, shoot. <laughs> like it's coming. So, yeah, I knew that it was they, they were going to have to work for it. So I knew it was going to be tough and, and they were going to be feeling it pretty quickly. But I also knew they were amazing. All of them are amazing athletes. Everybody that qualified um, are amazing athletes and they had it in them to to bust it out. So as they did. So, Tommy, what was it like watching them run up close and personal, just kind of seeing firsthand the speed with which these men and women can actually travel 26.2 miles? Yeah, that that was that was pretty amazing. Um, I, I, I was very impressed with um both fields, the, the male and the female uh, fields. And um, when they were in the packs, how fast they were moving in the packs. That was, that was what was amazing to me. Like, you know, like this many guys and women are in the same uh, pace and feet and everything stride 
stride for stride, step for step, you know, foot pad for foot pad uh, was pretty amazing to me. Yeah, I, I haven't had a ton of experience, you know, running alongside or near a professional athlete in part because I'm not anywhere fast enough to keep up with them. So even <laughs> if I started with them, they wouldn't be near me for very long. But I was once I was once doing a track workout over at Brown University. So I live in Rhode Island and it was just my local running group, whatever. We're just, we're out there. And I normally ran in the mornings. So, but this was one of the times where I actually ran after work. So we're running, we're doing like 400 meter repeats. So you know, you're going pretty fast, comparatively speaking. You know what I mean? This isn't like mile repeats or something. Like you're going, you're breathing hard, you're really pushing it. And I remember we're running and all of a sudden I felt, I like, it like, it felt like, and sounded like, like a stampede of horses was coming up on my right shoulder. I'm like, what is this? I turn around and it was Kim Smith and two other professional runners. Again, they probably combined weighed two, uh, like 250 pounds, like between the three of them. You know what I mean? But they like passed me with like a force of wind that was like insanity. I'm watching them combine me. You know, Kim Smith was an Olympian. She's, you know, NCAA, um, NCAA champion, just one of the best runners of her generation. And these two women were right with her. And I could not believe it because I was at like my fittest and I thought I was doing well. You know, I'm doing like, you know, I think it was like 80 second quarters. And I'm like, I can't do anywhere near that right now. And I was feeling really good. And these women passed me and I was like, I've never seen anything like that. And it's just, it's so amazing until you see it in person, like up close and personal just how fast these people go. Cause when you watch on TV, especially when it's like from straight on, like you can't tell at all, like how fast they look. I'm usually really impressed. What's impressed me is the form. That is what gets me every time is like how after each, la- cause I mean, you know, the average runner, we can put that form together for a while, but once we start getting that fatigue, that's when the form kind of starts to go away. You might start hit some of that heel. These guys' form is from the gun until the finish. That form doesn't change. I mean, they just keep going. And that's usually what's very impressive to me. Yeah, I think for me, when I when Tommy and I were trying to catch the packs as they were going, I, you didn't. I, I felt like I didn't realize or I realized how fast they were going when I was trying to take pictures. And it was like literally a split second that they're passing by you and then they're gone. <laughs> like literally it was super quick. And just to, and I agree, Tommy, with the the form and like Matt, they didn't look tired. Like <laughs> it was the, the speed that they were going, even after like the second, like it was, I would be dying at that point. And majority of them were not even breathing hard. And so I think it's, it's the, that type stuff that just amazes me of just how conditioned they are, how, you know, the good health that they were, they were in and to see them all together. And also just to hear, to see people in the flesh that you've been following on Instagram and seeing, watching them at, you know, at world majors and all of this, these things. And I know I was following you, um, Matt, for the road to go podcast. Like it was just road to the Olympic trials podcast. It was just great to be able to see them actually execute what they wanted in their mind. And it was, it was just great. It was very, it was something I'll probably never forget. It's funny. Cause like elite, elite athletes, they're like, so they're so far above, like even really good athletes that it's hard to even put into words until you see it. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where it's like, if you see someone who runs like a three hour and five minute marathon, you're like, that person's really, really fast. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can like say that and like those were the words that you would use, something to that effect, right? But then like you look at like, so say, say, say it was a guy who ran 305 and then you compare him to like the, the the best marathoners in the country. You're like, all right, that guy that you that you think is really, really fast, like you're right. And these other guys will beat him by an hour. Right. An hour. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they will shower, shave, eat, get a massage and do their interviews before that other dude has finished. Right. And it's like it's like putting that into context. It's like it's so far beyond what you're used to. It's hard to even grapple with. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think something that I looked at, too, like when when the trials were over, I was looking at paces and I was and this is just something weird that I do. But I look at like the last person coming in and I'm like, he and she were still fast. <laughs> like we had in the, we had ladies that were expecting. We had people that got injured, but their times, Matt, were still amazing, like past anything that you could even imagine. It was just great. It was just great. And you, I was just in awe. <laughs> yeah. So like the long and short of it is like if you get a chance to see like these races in person or shoot, forget that. Like, if you get a chance to see like a track meet in person, talk about speed. Like I feel like you just have to do it. Like it's obviously not like some of these things are not like the ideal spectator sport and track has their own issues in terms of like making it like a fun thing to witness. Like going to a track meet, it's like going to a circus. Like you don't even know where to look. There's just like this event's going on. People are jumping. People are pole vaulting. Someone over there is throwing the hammer. Another person's throwing the shot put. Like they just have so much going on. But like just to see the speed of some of these folks or just even the jumping ability, forcing the high jump or long jump. It's so one of those things where the, where TV doesn't it doesn't do it justice. Like we've seen like soccer and hockey, like in just some other sports and like they are in big fields like HD television makes them like so much easier to watch. And so much more fun to watch. And even football, right? So you can kind of like, you don't have to be zoomed in on the quarterback as much. You can kind of see the wide receivers and the quarterback in the same screenshot. Like, we haven't got to the point where you can watch running on TV, where you can really grasp exactly how fast and efficient these folks are, are, are doing their thing. Right. Yeah. All right. So just to get back to the show, I, I do want to ask you one more thing. Because like, you do such a good job with entertainment stuff, again, which I absolutely love. But beyond that, when you're thinking about, you know, exactly what kind of information you want to provide to your audience, what are some of the things that you try to do? Because you have a variety of different guests in terms of abilities and in terms of their professions, whether someone maybe in the nutrition space or an elite marathoner or someone who's just like an everyday athlete. You know, there's so many different topics and kinds of people to choose from. What's the what's the method that you you know either try to expand your horizons for your audience or try to limit what you're talking about so you kind of stay in a particular lane? I don't. When I actually, as far as the topics, like as far as information, it's usually for me, it's going to be something that I've tried. Like Hanson, that's why I touted it. I tried it. It worked for me. So I want to tell people about it. Um, like I talked about earlier, apps, some kind of new running app or um, haven't gotten too much into the nutrition part. And when I say nutrition right now, I'm, I'm talking more about as far as like gels and things like that. I haven't really gotten too much into that because I'm not big on using them myself. So uh, that's why I don't really talk about them. But as far as interviewing people, it's still the same for me. It's always somebody I might have seen online, seen some of their stuff. And thought, 
that would be a good conversation. I want to talk to them and see what they're all about. And that, that's usually, for me, the basis of it all. And I'll say for me the same thing. Um, I I think that one of our biggest things is just ensuring that we're giving people platforms that may not be getting any getting any spotlight. Um, I think that there's amazing people in this in the running world that are doing awesome things, but so many people don't know the know about them. And a lot of times when Tommy and I roll up on somebody on social media, we're like, where has this person been hiding? And we're like, we want to talk to them. Um, I think that there we sometimes as runners get into this bubble that only elite runners or only people that are getting paid and people that are going to the Olympics and things of that nature are worth interviewing or their story is the only thing that matters. But I think that there, everyone had to go through a journey some way to get to where they are. And so for us, I think we just, and we just really want to be able to allow people the platform to talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and just kind of what their story is. And there's a lot of people, Matt, that are doing amazing things. And I think that we just want to make sure that people get the platform that they should. Um, and I, we don't, there's not really a true magic behind it. It's literally people that we see that are doing great things. We have some of our listeners that say, Hey, that tell us about people. You should look at this person. They're doing this, they're doing that. And, um, we'll reach out to them. So of course we, I know for me, sometimes I check and I see how people's personality is. I know you as a podcast host, Matt, sometimes, you know, people are not as exciting as others. Um, so sometimes <laughs> I know for me, I'll look at that sometimes just to make sure that it's going to be a, a good, good conversation. Yeah. And that obvious, obviously is kind of the most important thing. Just like going back to, we talked about your, you know, your, um, you know, kind of like your, your conversations with Tommy, especially in the beginning of the show, like the back and forth you have, like the topics are great, but like, I just love the chemistry. Like you guys busting balls, you're, you're interview, you're like disagreeing, but like in this really elegant way where like no one's getting angry, but like, you're still like hashing it out. And like, as someone who's like so repressed and like my parents never argued in front of me as a kid, but believe me, they argued plenty <laughs> behind the scenes. Like I was like, I didn't know how to disagree with somebody like without getting like emotional about it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in some way or another. So like hearing it, I'm like, I remember the first time like listening to it and be like, oh my God, they're like, I was like getting tense at first when you guys were, like, <laughs> like, were interacting. I'm like, oh, they're going to have an argument. I'm like, no, they're fine. <laughs> they're totally fine. Like you just got to relax. And it was like, I remember like my wife's family's the same way. Like they just, like, she grew up just arguing all the time in her family. So like, there's no emotion attached to it. Like for me, like I can't handle it. I just like, it's all emotion, either good, bad or, or whatever. Um, so I, I'm right with you on all that. Yeah. I think when, not, I think when me and Tommy first met to go over the podcast, I think both of us was like, let's be, you know, let's do a little controversy. We don't have to agree on everything. And I think both of us were okay with that. Um, people kind of describe us, Tommy is like pretty laid back and I'm like super excited and passionate about stuff. So I think that's where the disagreements come in is that I'm like, you're not right. You know, I'm kind of like, no, no, no. And I get super passionate. I start talking even louder than I already do. And then it probably sounds a little bit more intense than it really is. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, you know, it's, I I guess I didn't know we disagreed that much, but we actually, I mean, (laughs) I guess we do. Um, but a lot we of times do. I'm just talking because I'll play devil's advocate on anything. I don't care what it is. You can say anything and I can, I'll play the other end just to do it. So that might be what it is as well. But like you said, India is, she's a little high strung 
and I'm a little laid back, so I think that sometimes comes into play. But it's definitely enjoyable. I always have a good time, you know, uh, doing the podcast. And I can't get mad at India. She's too sweet. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. It's all. It's definitely all love. And we know that we're both here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I met her dad before. You. I can't get it, get in a fight with that family. He a big dude. So. <laughs> Yes, he doesn't want to mess with the cooks. I don't want to mess with them, so I want to stay on their good side. All right. So you guys dropped a great podcast today. And I think it was probably a long time coming because, you know, after Ahmaud Arbery's death, uh, Breonna Taylor's death, uh, George Floyd's murder as well, that you had, you know, this this pent up energy that was already existed in the world, but all of a sudden it was just released into the world. And now, you know, we're seeing not just national, but international protests related to uh, equality and, you know, systemic racism and, you know, basically on topics where it's like, you know, I can't believe that we have to protest like the even the idea of like of equal rights and people mattering versus not mattering, I guess, is the other side of that argument. But like it's the, the, this whole, you know, then, then obviously you have the police violence stuff and as well. So with your podcast specifically, as we've you know, kind of set the stage here, you guys usually are very optimistic. You're like, you're really fun. It's an exciting podcast. You're interviewing somebody. There's usually a lot of laughs. You're really getting into it and really having an enjoyable podcast. And obviously when you're talking about this topic and what's currently happening in the world, that really doesn't fit that exact kind of matrix. So what was, Tommy, I'll start with you. What was the decision-making process like in terms of not only if you were going to address this um, but when and how to do it? Um, <laughs> the, the, it was decided by India, <laughs> who texts me, um, using all caps. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about this. I mean, this is like we said, our production meeting happens 15 minutes before we get ready to go on the air. And I'd already decided, of course, I mean, cause I'm going to talk about whatever's going on. I like to, I don't, I, I, I mean, I like to talk about everything on a podcast. I know we're running podcasts, but you know, running ain't everything. So I like to talk about anything that's going on that would be interesting. So I was going to talk about it regardless. And I was just going to wait till 15 minutes before and go, okay, we're going to talk about what's going on with the protests and blah, blah, blah. India was, I don't, what day was that? Was that like four days before or last? Yeah, week? it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. India was all, like I said, she was all gung ho. Let's do it. And that was pretty much it. I was like, okay, that's, that's fine. Um, and I don't think we talked about how we're going to do it until 15 minutes before mm-hmm. <laughs> we were like, it was like, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. All right. Sounds good. Let's roll. And that's exactly <laughs> what we did. And how he explained it exactly how it was on his end, on my end, it was very different. Um, <laughs> Again, like you all said, I'm very passionate about things and the current events with Black Lives Matter and all of the things that are happening in the world, continuing to happen in the world, I would say, because this really isn't anything new. It's just now on the forefront and broadcast more. But I think for me, Matt, I was I was and am still very fired up about ensuring that people are educated and that they know. And I'm also fired up that people know my stance. And so I have been fired up over the last couple of weeks, even more since Ahmaud Arbery. And, you know, it's it was one of those things where I'm so fired up. I've been texting Tommy like I asked him. I was like, I want to 
make something showing black um, podcast hosts because, you know, that's something if we're going to be a lot of people are, are promoting um supporting black businesses, et cetera. And I'm like, we are a black podcast host. Like we need to, you know, be able to ensure that people are understanding that there's a variety of things out here, a variety of ways that you can support. So it started with that. And Tommy was laid back in his true fashion. And so I was just like, okay, I need to ask him after a couple of days after that happened, I was like, I need to just text him and be like, so how are you feeling? How's the whole, you know, the protests and everything? How are you being affected? It was more so like my mental health side. I actually asked him, I was like, how you doing over there? <laughs> That's how I started the text message. Like, you doing okay? And he was like, what, the protests? <laughs> and I was just like, yes. <laughs> and he, you know, he was laid back. And I just kind of explained to him. I said, listen, I, I, it just is on me that I feel like we need to dedicate a whole episode to this. I understand there's some running things that we can talk about, but I feel like as a black woman, not being able to use my platform to explain my experience as well as how I'm feeling about this would do, would not be, would not be good. And I wouldn't be able to be okay. And so of course he thought we could just talk about it 15 minutes before, but I just wanted to make sure he understood that the whole episode was going to (laughs) be regarding black lives matter. So that's how it kind of went in my head. Yeah, so this was just you two. There was no guest for this one. So it basically was 90 minutes of you guys talking about all the thing that's current all the things that are currently going on, what precipitated it, and then also, you know, what what can happen in the future. And then in addition to that, India, as you mentioned, was like, okay, obviously you wanted to make sure that what you're thinking and feeling was expressed on that show, but you also, you and Tommy both expressed you know, what your thoughts are for just for the more specific running community, in part because, you know, that's what your show is dedicated towards and that's who's listening to it and things like that. And you also talked about the run that you did um, that honored George George Floyd, you know, the 8.46 uh, mile run and, and how things were, were spread out. As you, um, and I'll start with you this time, um, just so people are aware, I keep going back and forth because if you just ask a question in this setting, you don't say who you're talking to, there's just going to be silence because no one knows yes. who you actually <laughs> asked that question. Of. So, uh, Andy, I'll ask you the question this time to start. Um, when you think about all the events that are happening and your feelings about these topics, what are some of the ways that you want to, um, I guess, produce your podcast in a way that you know, kind of addresses these things, shines light on them, but does so in kind of the authentic way that you've already presented yourself in this show? Um, I will say, honestly, I feel like there needs to be more collabs. Um, and what I mean by that, I think that we as a as pod, as for our platform, we could be communicating more with people that are not like us. So like we're doing today, like I feel like that's imperative because I think everybody has their lane that they kind of stay in, but we could be so much stronger as just a whole community. So I feel like the biggest thing with understanding these type of situations is hearing people's stories and experiences and hearing people's views. So at the end of the day, if I were to sit down, Matt, and talk to you about how you feel about the about the Black Lives Matter, move, Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's going on right now, your perspective may be different. It may be different from mine. It may good, bad, indifferent, whichever. But that helps me to understand. And also, I may be able to impart you with some some facts. I may be able to talk to you about kind of how that can be perceived. And you could do the same thing for me. So I know that we definitely spoke on the podcast about like 
everyone in the world has work to do. It's not just people that are wanting to be our allies. Like everyone has work. So I think that we could do better with communicating with other podcasts, as well as just ensuring that other podcasts are bringing people that may be Black on their shows because they may not get that that space that they normally would have. And I think that that was, is kind of where we can start because it's all about communication. And we can communicate. We can agree to disagree. Everybody doesn't have to be on the same accord. But I think as long as we are open-minded, and I just really hope that you know, as a world, our hearts become bigger after all of this. And it's just great that so many people are coming together to support us. How about you, Tommy? Well, I mean, you know, if I feel something, like I said, it, I, I kind of talk about what's going on and, you know, however I feel. So if I feel something, I'll talk about it. So if I feel down in the future that I feel like I need to speak to something that's going on with racism or injustice, I will. Um, I, this is to this whole thing that's going on. This, we're at a tipping point, which I'm loving. I'm loving that we're at a tipping point. I'm sad that it had to take somebody so many deaths to get to this point, but we're at a tipping point where I think the world is starting to see that if one person is not being treated equally, then nobody is, um, which we probably have been saying, you know, since slavery. If, if one person is being, is, if, is not getting their justice, then nobody is really getting justice. And I think we're starting to see that. And that's why you're seeing people who feel like they can just act any way they want and, you know, be, be racist and in public. They're finding out you can't do that. You lose your job nowadays, you know, for that. And I think these companies are finding out that the the population of people, not just African-American, not just brown people that want to find justice for brown people in African-American is a lot larger than just those groups. Um, I think they're finding that there are a lot of allies out there uh, for those that are or have been been uh, getting a lot of social injustice throughout the years. So um, I, I'm loving it um, right now. Personally, I think I talked about it on the podcast. Uh, you know, a lot of people take companies that talk now as lip service, but for someone who has lived through it um, for many years and has seen, you know, something just as bad as, as George Floyd, Rodney King, whose name I could not think of <laughs> the other day, but Rodney King, who was beat down on a, on a L.A. highway. Trust me, there was no corporate America speaking out about how bad that was at all none they were looking at it as oh he he must have done something wrong um now of course rodney king lived he didn't die from his uh but he was beaten brutally um but there was no corporate america there's no nfl talking about it there was no nfl play there was very i mean i, I don't remember exactly i don't remember a whole lot of nfl african-american nfl players really talking about it that bad unless they were actually in LA unless, you know, and I'm not sure if, if the Rams even had a team back then, but um, so to see the way so many um, corporations are, are fighting back and talking back to the president. I mean, who were saying, look, Mr. President, I understand how you feel, but what you're saying is wrong. And that's something I didn't think I would see in this, in, when this happened. So, I'm very happy to see that. But of course, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. These protests that are going on right now. I love it. Great. But that ain't it. You, we got a whole, a whole long way to go, in my opinion.
And these corporate, the corporate responses, you know, obviously some were done better than others and some, some, some that were done poorly either were done poorly because, you know, that shows you something or maybe in India, you talked about this in the last podcast. In fact, that some people just kind of came out too quick and maybe, maybe should have vetted it before they, mm-hmm. they came out. Uh, and, you know, and like maybe their heart was in the right place, but their words might not have been. Um, with that being said, we're also now in an era where, People have the receipts about what you said, and not just individuals, but you're seeing it even on the corporate side. You're seeing it from leagues. You're seeing it from teams. You're seeing it from colleges. You know, you guys are down in Atlanta, you know, Florida State, you know, it was down in your neck of the woods, and you saw their players came out firing when Mike Norvell misrepresented his ten- his stance on this on this uh on these topics and, and the the protests and how he'd reached out to players and his best defensive player like within minutes was on Twitter saying like, nope, that didn't happen. And in fact, if you don't correct the, if you don't correct your mistakes in this matter, no players are working out until you do. And that was minutes after the news came out. And, you know, this is, we're just in a whole new era of, of players and people and citizens being able to call out corporations and people who may have had a lot more power in the past uh, to, you know, things that they've said and say, hey, like, this is what you said before. You're not living up to it. And now there's finally going to be repercussions. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. People are being held accountable uh, right now. Right. And I think that some people are very surprised about how, like, all racist backgrounds are coming together. Like, it's not just all Black people fighting against this. Like, it's everybody. And I think that some of the people that are racist are, like, probably shook. <laughs> like they are probably shook. Like there's probably people that they didn't assume and races that they were like, oh, y'all are on their side too. And it's like, it's not really that. This We are humans. We are individuals. You know, we were born with our skin this way. We were born into this injustice and we still should get the same respect as anybody else should. And I just, I just love how the world is coming together to fight against this. And of course, we have a lot of work to do to fight against the people that are racist and you know, the the systemic things that are going on. But I just, I think we're definitely going in the, continuing to go in the right direction because, you know, things have changed over several years, but it may be a slower process than we like, but we just have to keep, keep the gas going. Yeah. And this, this harkens back to something that you said in the last show, India, where you talked, I think it was in light of you and Tommy talking about how individuals have to act in the workplace. Right. So you're talking about, hey, listen, like we have to act in the workplace in a way that's like potentially you weren't saying you specifically saying, say, you know, people, you know, either African-Americans or people who maybe grew up in a similar way. We have to act in a a different way in the workplace that is maybe farther removed from the way they would act at home than maybe their white colleagues would be able to do. And then that sort of thing I'm paraphrasing here is just it's exhausting. And it's also not right. So you have this other piece to this where, you know, in terms of you said, you know, a lot of races are coming together right now to kind of move as, you know, in one unit towards, you know, this this goal of, you know, kind of the the, with the idea of like, all right, like we all if we keep doing this together, then maybe we can finally get like the social equality that we've said that we've had for so long. And we can actually finally realize it with that said. You know, can you speak a little bit about just like the exhaustive nature of having to not only live your life, work, be 
be a family member, be a friend, but also constantly being aware of these issues and being an advocate on things like this, which just, it's just, you know, you work in the mental health space. It, it must just be mentally and emotionally exhausting that on top of all of it, all of the things you have to do in your life, that this is also something that is on your plate. Right. Yeah, I would definitely say that it's exhausting. But you know, the interesting and also unfortunate piece of it is that we just do it because it's kind of what we have to do. And so I think sometimes you you think about it as when you are just used to doing something repetitively, it's second nature. So it may not be as as exhausting as you think it is, even though it really is exhausting, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So I think I was always brought up what I had to do, how I had to adjust, how I had to present. I was taught these things as a little girl. So it was something that I always knew I had to be a notch up or I had to be straight laced and together. And it's gotten me to places where I am now. And it's almost one of those things where it it comes second nature. But something that I always tell people is even though it comes second nature doesn't mean that it's right. Even though we we do it, quote unquote, with ease doesn't mean that we should have to. Um, and so I think for me, yes, it is very exhausting. It is exhausting. And it I think when all of since all this stuff's been going on, I think the piece that I've been harping on the most is like this is not new. And I think that's what's frustrating for me is that the this 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 protest and what we're fighting for is not new. And I think that it's it's unfortunate that unfor- it's unfortunate that some people's eyes are just being most people's eyes are just being open to it. But as a black woman, this is nothing new. Um, this is something that we've been fighting for several years. This is it's it's just finally people have caught on and realized how bad and significant it is. And I'm very grateful and blessed that that it is to this point. And I again, like Tommy said, I hate that. It took these deaths for us to realize that, but this isn't a new space for us. Um, But I think it is new for people that are allies to hear what we do deal with. And I think that's the important piece. So yeah, Matt, it is, it is exhausting on an everyday basis. It is exhausting when you see um, the, it's when things aren't equal or aren't quote unquote fair, or when you see that someone may have gotten something because of their privilege um, and just the color of their skin, it's frustrating. And it's hard not to argue back or fight back or, you know, in a negative way, you, we really have to keep ourselves together or we'll be uh, 10 steps back again. And it's one of those things where that, I think that's the piece that's more exhausting is when you want to react in another way, but you can't because you know that the injustice is there or the, it's something is not fair, but you just can't. And it's like, you know what, India, you just have to work 10 times harder and you'll get it and just keep going. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing for me is, yes, it is exhausting in every in every way. And of course, it's not I'm not it's not a whole 180 of who I am at home versus work. But there are definitely there's some there's some changes. There's some things. And especially when you want to get in particular in certain positions um, from working in mental health to now working in human resources. It's one of those things where you have to keep it together and people expect certain things out of you. Absolutely. And this is, you know, why I like listening to you guys so much. You have, you have such, you know, you're so energetic. I love your opinions on things. And even when you disagree, I think you both bring, you know, really valuable perspectives. And Tommy, you're right. You don't disagree all the time. It's just, it's not just some of the time. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so I guess before we get going, um, I'm going to, I'll start with Tommy this time. What, 
is your vision for covering the running community for the rest of the, you know, for rest of 2020? Because things are so in flux. We don't even know what races will be happening. Obviously, people are still running. But what's your vision for how you're going to cover some of these topics, knowing full well that, you know, you're going to talk about what you want to talk about. But obviously, you know, there's there's this idea of like, all right, business is not business as usual right now. So what what's going to come in the late summer, early fall, early winter, all that stuff? Well, I mean, I love talking about elites. I love talking about elite runners. And I, I and I think right now it's fun to talk about elite runners because we do have a, a Kipchoge running around <laughs> right now, breaking records. So it's fun to talk about it. So um, I just hope, I mean, of course, and I've said this on the podcast before, if to keep people safe, we have to cancel every race this year, that's fine. I mean, you know, I'd be disappointed, but that's fine. But if for, for some chance we can get all those majors back to back in you know um i guess in the fall that would be my plan is to just to watch them report on them talk about them um hope there's some great races and of course the race i really am dying to see is kipchoge and bekele uh in london i'm i'm even if you know okay let's just clear the streets of london just let those two run if if that's what it comes down to keep everybody safe let's do it that that's what i would really love to do but like i said i love talking about elite runners I, you know I, of course i enjoy talking about my own experiences um, in running because I'm pretty much on a comeback myself. Um, I haven't been very consistent and actually COVID-19 has helped me get more consistent because I'm working from home. Um, so I got a little bit more time to, to get a training run in in the morning as opposed to having to, you know, jump in the car and go to work. Um, so I'll talk about my experiences as I, I pull myself together because, you know, my times went from where I was, you know, both because I go back and look at my old training. I was running a usually uh sub nine pace in my training, you know, like someone eight, you know, 50, somewhere around there where now, you know, I'm running in the tens. So I got a long road back to get to be- back to where I was, um, you know, so that's something I would like to talk about as that is my journey right now um, to get back to to my my speed that I had before. And I, I agree. I think our journey is really important. I think for me, um, and I've been stressing this on the podcast, right now during this downtime where the season is nothing, racing isn't happening per se, this is our time to really be working on our weaknesses. And so I would like to see us communicating more with people that could give us more tips and tricks. So I know a couple episodes ago, we we interviewed Starla Garcia, and she was she's a nutritionist, also a runner, also um, Olympic trial qualifier and runner. Um, and it was just really an informative um, podcast episode. Like she was able to give us a lot of tips about running and nutrition, not only fuel and gels, but also like carb loading and things of that nature. And I think during these times, it's really imperative to at least get those tips so that you can be putting them in work and trying things out so that when race season comes, you are ready to go out the gate. So I would like to see a little bit more of that too. Yeah, I agree. And you know, Hey, Tommy, forget Kipchoge. I want to hear about, about Tommy 2021. Let's have, let's have it. Let's have it happen, baby. You know, we'll get the Hansons involved. They'll come on down. They'll start working with you in person. They got nothing else going on. There's no elite races. You know, what are they doing right now? You know, they can go start working with you. And then it can just it's be Road to the Olympics. It can just be like, I don't know. We got to come up with some funny name. You know, it's like to follow your journey. I'm here for it. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. I would love for them to be able to get me into Boston. That'd be great. Tommy, I think we, we might have a competition, you and I, because I, I feel like I love 
I love it when you talk about your running because it's so laissez-faire. India's like, I'm kicking butt. I got five, got five workouts this week. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I got the running. And then you're like, yeah, you know, I might run tomorrow. We'll see. Um, and then <laughs> I feel like I feel like I got like the quarantine 15 going on right now. So like I can really relate to where you're coming from, especially juxtaposed against India, who seems to be really like is going to come out from quarantine like like blazing hot, like just like, <laughs> like watch out Atlanta track club, like all your races, like I'm, I'm taking them. I hope so. I hope so. I'm just trying to work on being a better me whenever this opens back up. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I guess last thing I, sh- I said last question, like 15 times already. I promise this is the last question. India, you mentioned before that you put together a thing um, for other uh running podcasts that were that of uh, black hosts on them. Do you want to share any of those with us now? Yeah, sure. Um, so we have um, 300 pounds in running, um, obviously the run duo. We have the run wave, um, which is an individual um, Kimberly um, out of New York. And then we also have a runner's life. Um, that is a really good one. He's actually not in the state. So he's in, I want to say he's in the UK, London, London, excuse me. And then we have mentioned a couple times on this episode, um, Derek Oxley, and he is, he has behind the wheel podcast. And then we have the start line and they're actually three sisters that are out of the UK. Um, so I'm really excited about them because their podcast is very interesting. Um, and then also we have um, Running the Dream, which is a podcast out of Detroit. So all over the place, all over the place. So I'm really excited about those. And of course, ever since I posted uh, that list, there are so many more <laughs> like people that are coming out like, hey, I have one, too. And I'm like, wow, never knew about you. So not only was it uh, informational for us, but it also was information for 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 um, our listeners as well to find other ones that we can listen to. And I have to give a shout out to when you just mentioned A Runner's Life. That's with Marcus Brown, who's actually been on my mm-hmm. show. What a great guy he is. Um, not, I'm sure all the podcasts are great. I don't mean to play favorites, but I'm going to play favorites. I like Marcus Brown. So yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a great awesome. guy uh, and he's had great guests. Um, and yeah, he's just he's he's really is fantastic. So thank you for thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun and I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Very much. India and Tommy, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was so much fun. Um, you know, obviously this was a longer podcast. With that said, she we talked we talked for like a half an hour, like before and after the show combined as well. We basically talked for two straight hours uh last week, and it was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening, for rating and for and for reviewing the show. Also for going to Prevenex.com and checking them out. Believe me, not only do they sponsor the show, so I love those guys. I love them before they did so. That's why they're sponsoring the show, because I love their product before they ever even got involved with the podcast. And I know that you will, too. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.